Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. Give him the worship he deserves from the bottom of our hearts to the depths of our soul. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Praise be to his name. Praise God. You can be seated. So, so wonderful to be again at Christ-centered church. I'm so thankful for this wonderful church family and my good friends, Pastor and Sister Wyatt. And um, It's hard to, hard to believe I, I first came into this district when I was 27. 27 years old. That's almost 10 years ago. And uh, it's been a been a long time, but I'm so thankful for the friendships and the relationships that God has has blessed me. And yes, in April, I am getting married. Thank God. He still works miracles. He still he still works miracles. I was kind of worried there for a minute. and So was everybody else. Churches were no longer fasting and praying for revival. They were fasting and praying that God would give me a wife. <laughs> Something must be wrong with this guy. But um, God gave me a good one. And uh, I'm so thankful. The process. Don't get too frustrated with the process. And get married, they said. It's going to take your ministry to another level. Get married, they said. It's going to bless your life. But get married, they said. They all said get married. That's what they all said. They didn't talk about the stress. They didn't talk about, uh, oh, oh, I'm already living in that. You know, when you get married, you can't do that no more. Like, I'm 36 years old. I've been doing what I want for as long as I want it. If I want to go to New Jersey or New York, if I want to wake up tomorrow and fly to Hawaii, I don't have to ask nobody. Not anymore. That ship has sailed. I have to ask permission for everything that I get to do now. I guess I gotta throw away my golf clubs. No, I'm so I'm so thankful for what God has blessed me with, and um, and I can't wait for y'all to be a part of the celebration uh, with us. And um, I'm I'm thankful for what God is doing. And I I feel I'll, I'll in the next few moments talk about what I feel God is doing. I think something is getting ready to happen if it hasn't already began in this 2019 new year. I think 2019 is going to blow our minds. I'm not just saying a year of expectancy. I'm thinking this is a year of reaping. This is a year of receiving. This is a year of power. This is a year of authority. This is a year of unprecedented outpouring. And if you haven't already started to see it, get ready. So I believe, I believe with all my heart, this is going to be a year to remember. Genesis chapter 26. I'm going to take your attention there for a few moments this afternoon. Genesis chapter 26. And I will just start with two verses and then verse 12 and 13. Then Isaac sowed in that land and he received in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Who would not love a hundredfold blessing? Oh, man, we're too quiet for that. Who would not want to receive a hundredfold blessing? 
I mean, we're still a little bit just too timid on that. I mean, if I just sowed one and I reaped a hundred and then said, you know what, I'm going to sow ten and I'm going to receive a thousand plus. Who would not want to receive a hundredfold blessing? Now, you're right minded. You don't want to receive a hundredfold blessing. If you say no, you are a liar. And the man waxed great, and he went forward, went forward. He didn't regress. He didn't digress. He went forward until he became very great. I'm going to stop right there. And then just begin to, if I can, reach back into this chapter. I'm going to talk about. Some things that God was doing in Isaac's life. Some things that Isaac had to do himself. And so for the next few moments, I want to preach from this subject. Can you dig a well? Can you dig a well? Just very simply, Lord, I'm asking... In the name of Jesus, that your word be exalted in this house right now. And that it would come alive and that it would be powerful. That it would begin to move in our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. Loose us. Release us. Let a powerful manifestation of your spirit, God, embody, Lord, this place right now. Move upon every heart, every mind, every spirit, every soul. And let there be an outpouring and a releasing of what your word has for us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you want that and receive it, say, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to be as calm as I can for as long as I possibly can. That is always going to be my... Um, promise, but that promise doesn't last very long sometimes. I am so thankful for the Word of God. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. It is forever settled. Forever settled. It says, out of the heart flow the issues of life, but for every issue, there is a word. And God's promises are yea and amen. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that his word does not come unto him void. It, if he declares it and if it has been spoken, it never returns undone. It never finds a place where it cannot settle. I'm so thankful for a word that I can Hold to a word that I can declare, a word that I can speak, a word that I can stand on, a word that I can say is true and not false, a word that I can say that was before time and when time shall be no more, the word will still stand through the good seasons and in the bad seasons. I can always come to the Word. 
He has declared that the grass withers and the flower fades because through cold seasons and hot seasons, the world has a tendency to bend and to prosper. But he said, my word shall stand forever. I'm thankful not only for the written word of God, I'm thankful for the spoken word. Word of God. I'm thankful for that word that is alive. I'm thankful for the word that dives into my spirit and into my heart and brings dead things back to life again. I'm thankful for a word that washes us and refreshes us. I'm thankful for a word that gives us hope, a word that gives us peace, a word that gives us joy, a word that is steel and a word that is solid, a word that is firm, a word that I I can find shelter in and a word that I can fight with. I'm thankful for the word of God. One of the gifts my mother gave me in life was a book that said God's promises. God's promises in this word are true and they are from generation to generation and from everlasting to everlasting. And every one of us has promises assigned to us. We have words that have been spoken into us. And we have promises in our life that are alive that yet have not even been tapped into. We have promises that we haven't even seen, but they are there and they are sure and they are real. We have promises. There is an undercurrent living underneath our feet, a well that is ready to spring forth with power and authority and a life. But we haven't got the shovel to dig it yet. Before you got here, there was a word ready for you. Before you got here, there was an answer ready for you. And every single person here is an answer to a prayer. Because before you ever made this church your home, there was a pastor on his knees praying for a city that God would give him a burden and that he would one day find himself a place to speak where families would come bringing their broken marriages. Their hearts would come needing peace and joy and life that only God could give. You were an answer to prayer because long before you ever made this church your home, there was a word being spoken for your life that would one day give you salvation and one day give you hope and one day give you healing that you are here not by your own doing and not by accident but because God had a plan and a promise for you that was one day waiting for you that God was saying I have prepared a place see we have underneath our feet a well of unending promises and unending hope and unending joy and unending salvation and deliverance We just haven't dug the well yet. I'm so thankful for these promises. We have so many times struggled to find God in our life and find God in His will for our life. And we struggle as Elijah was asking, God, I I need to see you. I I need to know your voice. I, I need to know where you are. And he said, I looked into the thunder and He was not there. And I looked to the shaking of the heavens and it was not there. I saw a wind rip through the mountainside and it was not there. But as he sat in that dark cave, the Word of God came to Elijah and spoke His name And he said it was in that still, small voice. You see, you want to see the Word of God come alive in your life. You have got to learn how to respond to His voice 
and into His Word. Not your thinking, not your understanding. The Bible said that. Lean not to your own understanding. And He will. See, so many times we get caught up in our own way. We get caught up in our own self until it pleases me. If it looks good to me, but sometimes we miss the will of God because of what it looks like or what it feels like. But he didn't say go with what it feels like. He didn't say go with what it looks like. He said if you would obey my voice, if you would obey my commandments, if you would lean to me, if you would lean your heart unto me, if you would give your health, yourself to my paths and to my direction, then... See, I want you to look at Isaac in Genesis, the 26th chapter. Uh, he says, and the Lord appeared to him and he said, go not down into Egypt. You see, God hadn't even appeared to Isaac yet. He had never spoken to Isaac yet. He said, but I've got something that I want to do in your life. But you can't do it in a place where you're not supposed to be. He said, go not down into Egypt and I and dwell in that land and go to the one that I will tell you of. You see, you want to see the will of God come to life in your life? Then you've got to understand it. You've got to listen to the voice of God. You cannot go in your own path and expect the blessings of God to live. You cannot go in your own flesh. You can't go in your own way. You have got to listen to the voice of God. You've got to listen and find yourself in the Word of God. And then you will see what God will do because if He is not slack concerning His promises, He cannot bless what is not in His will. How can we expect the blessings of a life the blessings of God in a life that's not consecrated to Him. That's not seeking Him. That's not allowing space for Him. That's not allowing the, the, uh, the sacrifices of a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart that He would not despise. How, how can we reject that from Him and withhold that from Him and expect Him to put His hand in our life and bless us and lead us and guide us when we won't listen to His voice and we won't listen to His Word and we won't adhere to His ways? How can we expect the blessings of God in our life? But what God had for Isaac had nothing to do with Isaac. See, no, no, no. Sojourn in this land and I will be with thee and I will bless thee for unto thee and to thy seed. I will give all of these countries. Oh, I'm talking about great blessings. I'm talking about great outpouring. I'm talking about great revival. I'm talking about great healing. I'm talking about great manifestation. And I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham. God said, I made a promise. And I'm still living to those promises. God said, I made an oath. And I'm still living that oath. I didn't do everything yet that I said that I would do. And because of Abraham's faithfulness. And because of Abraham's prayer. And because of Abraham's commitment. I'm still going to bless you. Because you are his seed. And because somebody prayed for revival in your life. And because somebody committed their heart to God a long time ago. And they said, God bless my child. Oh God. God bless my son. Oh, God bless my daughter. Oh, God bless my city. Oh, God bless my church. Oh, God bless my pastor. Oh, God bless the... 
because of the commandments and the commitment that was given to God, God said, I've got blessings for someone else that didn't even pray the prayers, but they're getting ready to live inside of a life. There was an undercurrent of blessing that Isaac never realized. But it had nothing to do with what Isaac could do. But it had everything to do with the generation that had lived before him. I'm so thankful for the generation that has gone before me. That has laid a path. That has given me instruction. That if I would obey the voice of God. And if I would do the will of God. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Or their seed beg of bread. I'm so thankful for a generation. That said this power doesn't come. But by much, by, by, by much prayer. And much fasting. It's not in the song. And it's not in the dance. But if you can commit to God a heart and a life and connect to Him in prayer, then you can reap the blessings. I'm so thankful for a generation that fasted and prayed for revival. I'm so thankful for a generation that put tears and sweat into the building of the kingdom of God. I'm so thankful for a generation that paved the path before that the blessings still lie in wait. Somebody want a healing today. Somebody want a, a move of God's Spirit in their life today. Someone want to see revival in their home today. Someone want to see things change in their mind. There is an undercurrent of blessings that have been spoken and declared in your life that you haven't even dug the well yet. God said, what I'm getting ready to do in your life, Isaac, Isaac hadn't even sought God. Isaac hadn't even built an altar to God. Isaac hadn't even committed his ways to God. But God comes to Isaac. He, he said, I'm coming to you the way that I came to your father, Abraham. I'm coming to you the way that I have promised him. And I'm going to continue to carry my promises in your life. But you cannot go your way and receive this. You go to the land that I will tell you to go. And then I will perform it. You do what I've told you to do. And I will perform it. You respond to my word. I will perform it. You respond in faith. And I will perform it. You respond to my spirit. And I will perform it. You can't do it in your flesh. You can't do it in your thinking. But if you obey the word of God. I will perform that which I have spoken. Because I will not lie. And so he obeyed the voice of God. And he went to Gerar. But in this sense, he had a tendency to do something that was not character for us to do. But it's a systematic curse that we all have. It's what we call like father, like son. Because my daddy did it this way, I have a tendency to do this way. Because my daddy was this way, I have a tendency to do it that way. And we have a tendency to always fall in sync in the steps of the sins of our father. No one ever said that Abraham was a perfect man. It said it was appointed unto Abraham for righteousness. He was counted as the friend of God. He had a rightness about him, but he was not perfect. Because if you remember what happens when he gets to Gerar, there's a king by the name of Abimelech. And Abimelech is still king. And long ago, Abraham comes to Abimelech. And he's got his wife, Sarah, with him. But he sees everybody begins to see Sarah. And Sarah's a very beautiful young lady. And so Abraham says that Sarah is, in fact, his sister. Lot, right out the teeth of his own face. 
Abraham said, this is my sister. And so when Abimelech said, well, she's beautiful, why don't you come? Abimelech started dating And so God comes to a oh this is this right here will preach. God comes to Abimelech and said, You are with another man's wife. How was Abimelech to know that? Abraham said it was my sister. How Abimelech wasn't wrong, but the Lord said, if you lay with her, then you will commit sin, and then I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to destroy your nation. And so Abimelech comes to Abraham and said, why have you done this to us? We didn't do you any wrong. We didn't do you any harm. Why did you lie to us? And I thought what Abraham said was such a powerful statement, and it's so tendency of people to judge situations what they don't understand anything about because they're afraid to speak their mind. They're afraid to speak what they believe. They're afraid to declare things that they don't understand because he turns around and he tells Abimelech, I thought this was a godless place. And you don't even know who God's speaking to. You don't even know who God is getting a hold of. You don't even know where God is trying to work in someone's life. Who knows what he could have done in Abimelech's life if Abraham would have just stood up and spoke the truth. But here we are. We have a hundred years later plus Isaac's coming into the land with his wife Rebecca, And he does the same stupid thing. Abimelech said, who's this? This is my sister. Because I was afraid that the men would kill me and take her from me. And Abimelech sees how Isaac is treating and courting his sister. And a flashback comes back. He comes to Isaac and he says, why? Have you tried to bring this on us? Why can't you just be who you're supposed to be? Um, Why can't you just say, this is my wife? Well, I don't know, church. Why can't you just say, this is my time. This is my season. This is my healing. This is my word. This is my... You see, so many times we get so afraid of what everybody is going to think and we allow them to take things that aren't even meant for them to take because we won't stand up and say, this is my time, this is my season, this is my healing, this is my joy, this is my deliverance, this is my breakthrough, this is for my family, this is for my children. You won't get up and worship yourself out of a comfort zone because you're afraid what the devil's going to take from you, but not when you declare in faith, this is mine, this is mine. This is mine. This is mine. I declare that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God's got something for me and I can't hold it back. God's got a blessing for me and I can't hold it back. God's got a breakthrough for me and I can't hold it back. I'm so tired of weak Christians blaming everything on the enemy when you ain't got the faith to stand on your own feet.
We want to tell the devil want to steal my joy. The devil want to steal. He don't want your joy. He don't want your breakthrough. He wants your word. And that word says, I am an offspring of God. I I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. I am a peculiar people. I am blessed. I am anointed. We're so afraid. We think the enemy is going to come in and try to take something from us. I'll tell you, when a man walks in with a beautiful wife, all you want to do is really give him a high five. People tell me, good job, when they see when I walk through the door with Morgan. They're like, oh, good job. So many times we get so afraid, devil going to try to take something. He don't want your joy. That's a, that, that, that is a derivative of the Spirit of God. It's a, it, it is a fruit of the Spirit, joy and temperance and peace and long-suffering. Never one time in the Bible does the Bible say the devil wants to come in and steal your joy. But Jesus did tell them when the word is sown, immediately Satan comes to try. He wants your word. If he can come steal, kill, and destroy, the first thing that he's going to use to steal, to kill, and destroy, he's going to steal your word. He's going to kill your word. He's going to destroy your word. But he can't destroy what doesn't belong to him. The word was sown by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That word, I said, is already forever settled. And when he spoke it, he can take the seed of it. But if you still hold on to it in your heart, that word's going to live. Oh, my we're too, we're too busy trying to give too much space to saying, you know what, the, the, it really isn't what it looks like. But I, I really want to be a praiser, but I don't want to be made fun of. I, I really want to break through, but, you know, I really don't want people to think that I'm a failure because I, I don't live perfect and I don't live upright. Well, just stand up on your feet and say, well, this is mine. Because you don't know who God is speaking to. You don't know what heart God is dealing with. Abraham thought it was a godless country. He had no idea that God was going to come to Abimelech and speak to him himself. What untapped revival are we not living in? Because we're afraid we're living in a godless country. We can't stand in faith on what God has pronounced into our lives. Knowing that God has gone before us. And God will speak to whoever he needs to speak to. To release whatever we need to have released into our lives. He'll go to an ungodly man. He'll go to a godless country. And he will proclaim his glory and his power. And people will fall on their knees and worship the living God. Because someone with anointing decided to stand up and say, This is my favor. This is my seed. This is my time. This is my well. No, we got an old we got an old saying down south. Sometimes you can beat a, don- a dead donkey to death, and I, I don't want to have to start beating something over and over again until we start receiving it. Isaac said, "Well, like father, like son." Then I said, "No, I want you to stay here. I'm gonna make an oath with you." So he sent Isaac. And gave him a portion of land. And so Isaac goes out. And he has to work. Sometimes. You got to work. For your blessings. Thank you. So we. We always want to come to church. And we want to have them just sitting out there waiting for us. Oh come on somebody. Just because I showed up. That should be good enough for God to move in my family. Just because I, I had to had to listen to that wonderful praise team lead us into a spirit of atmosphere and worship and and I, and I, I mean, it just it wasn't it was not supposed to be just laid out there for you. 
You've got a job to do. Isaac sowed the seeds and he reaps a hundredfold. Because he's living with the promises of a prayer that he didn't pray. He's living in an anointing that he didn't ask for. There was an undercurrent living in his life. And he had never dug a well. And he's sowing. And he's reaping a hundredfold. He's putting in time. And he's reaping the benefits. He's committing himself physically. And God is bountifully bestowing upon him the riches because of his father. And so Isaac says, it's time to move it forward. The people saw that it, it was getting so grand for him. Abimelech says, you're going to have to go somewhere else. You're going to have to find another land. And so again, he's following in the steps of his father. And he comes to a place and he sees a well that his father had dug. Ain't nothing wrong with this well. There's still substance. There's still flowing. But the Bible said the Philistines had come and they had filled it with earth. They took something that had life and covered it with dirt. They had taken something with power and they had covered it with filth. Something that Abraham had struggled for, worked for, put time and labor and sweat into hours. To cultivate a hole that was deep enough to reach into the river flowing underneath the surface that you couldn't see with the naked eye. And then all of a sudden the ground would begin to sprout forth and and the water began to flow and the well was dug. But when Abraham had dug it and his time with that well was through, the Philistines came and they saw there was a nurturing substance there. There was, there was grand water flowing there, but that's not for us. And so they took the earth and they covered it. They took the dirt of their ways and they, and they covered it. Sounds a lot like what happens when we begin to plant seeds in faith and all of a sudden bad things in life starts happening and then things begin to grow inside of our hearts and our spirits and we get callous and we get burdened and we get worried and, and we let the cares of this earth. Clouds are well that God is using to bring blessings in our lives, but we let the earth fill it with junk. We let the earth fill it with mindsets. We let the earth fill it with burdens. We let the earth fill it because I didn't get it in a year. It's been six months or it's been five. We let the earth dictate that that well was no longer good. Isaac said, that well's still plenty good. And he began 
to tap into the potential that was still there. He began to tap into the life that was still there. He got a shovel and he began to dig into a well that had already been dug, but time had filled it in. People had filled it in. Worry had filled it in. Unanswered prayers had filled it in. Undone miracles had filled it in. But there was still substance there. There was still authority there. There was still a river flowing there. But he said, I got to unopen it. I got to reopen it. I got to revive it. I got to bring it forth again. I got to put my time because my father drugged this well. There's still something to it. And so I began to untap the promises of a generation that went on before. And I began to tap it because I want that healing. I began to open it because I want that blessing. I began to open it because I want that outpour. I began to open it. I want revival in my family. I want my children to be. He began to dig. The Philistines didn't like it. So they came and they said, Isaac, you can't have this well. We filled it in. This is ours now. Well, okay. I guess I'll go dig me another well. So he goes and he digs another well. And he found that that well was good. That well that had already been dug by his father. And that well was greater than the first well. The Bible said that it was a well of springing water. Man, when he took off that dirt and that the Philistines had filled it in, when he took that layer off, that well was ready to come out. The Philistines say, like, you can't have that well. It's ours. And so the Bible said, and so he removed himself from that place. And he dug another well. And they took that one also. See, we get weary in well-doing. And after three blessings or don't go our way, or one word doesn't come to pass, we get tired of trying something in God when we can never hold on to the power that comes. It's there. Abraham dug it, it wasn't empty. It still had plenty to give. But we get tired after trying, after sowing, after praying, after crying. We get tired of being faithful when being faithful really doesn't seem to pay off for a season. We get tired of even paying tithes when it seems like the rebuker has not stepped in to the devourer and said, you need to leave that family alone. So instead of paying my tithes, I'm just going to hang on and keep trying to get this so I can get myself out of this pit, if I can get myself out of this problem. I get tired 
having to go pray for the sick and I'm tired of carrying caskets because I'm believing God for a miracle that still hasn't come yet. And he's digging after the wells of his father that have already been dug and are still alive. But the Philistines want to come in and fill it with earth. But it comes to a point But it says, for that they strove not for another well that he dug. You're only going to get by so far on the promises that have already been laid before you. But if you can learn how to dig a well. You won't have to go to the well of where your fathers have already put their time in. You're not going to have to go to the place where they have already paved the way for you. You're going to be able to go to a place where there is no well. And you're going to be able to stick your shovel in the ground. And you're going to be able to dig. And you're going to find your own substance. You're going to find your own breakthrough. You're going to find your own revival. You're going to find your own spring. You're going to find your own word. You're going to find your own deliverance. You're going to find your own breakthrough. You're going to find your own touch. You're going to find your own joy. You're going to find your own relationship. And see, what happens is, is so many times people, we come and we're hanging on to the coattails of Pastor and Sister Wyatt and the prayers and the tears that they have showed, that that they've spread all over this place that God Heal and deliver. Bring us revival. Bring us broken hearts and families that need restoration. Bring us drug addicts and alcoholics, oh God, that need a fresh start and a new life. And you come in and you begin to feel the presence of God and the peace of God. And you begin to find that there's water in this well. But you will find when you leave, the Philistines, they just want to come and they want to try to cover up all of that stuff and say, this is what real life is like, baby. This is what the hard world is really like this is what it's like to get up and get knocked back down and you find that your addictions get harder and your strongholds get stronger but the Bible says that at one point Isaac said I'm not going to strive over a well I'm going to dig my own and you can't take it from me you want to come to me and say this is yours it ain't yours I dug it this is mine You've got to learn how to dig a well. The only way that Isaac had gotten to that point is by reopening the wells of his father. He saw how to build the structure. After reopening the wells of his father, he realized how deep he really needed to go. He saw where he needed to give it its strongest points. Uh, he saw how he was really going to have to. He knew what kind of soil that he was going to have to dig into. He saw what kind of land was going to be good. He had to see what kind of surroundings he was going to have to find. Because where there's trees over there and there's flowers over here, there has got to be some kind of median place that begins to give it life through the seasons. That gives it life through the winter. That gives it life through the summer. And he said, this would be a good place to start digging. This would be a good place. Why? Because I've seen what my father did in four other places. I've seen what my forefathers did in that place. And I see what it did in that place. I can do that here. 
And you can't take what's mine. You can't take. You can't come in and say that we confiscate this well. No, 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 no. You had no claiming to this land. I dug this well. This is my promise. This is my work. This is my... You got to learn how to dig a well. That's just such an easy message to preach right there. I I, I question so many times why, and I appreciate a, a good message that's got a lot of illustrations to it. Sometimes they're really good and. I know the Bible says that and Jesus spoke to them with parables so that they would understand. You know why I feel that they lost their understanding? Because they had become desensitized to the word of God. Because the Pharisees had polluted it. They had made the word of no effect because... They beat things into the people that wasn't the word. The Lord said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus would have to sit with the people and give them parables and illustrations because the word to them had lost its effect because of what the people before them had begun to push them with and to burden them with and to beat them with. And so the Lord would have to say, what manner of man of you having a hundred sheep? If he lose one, would not leave the 99. I tell you of a man that saw a field and in the field had a great treasure. And he went and he sold all that he had to purchase the field with great and exceeding joy for the treasure that was hidden in the field. I liken the kingdom of heaven to a man having servants and giving them talents and to one he gave two and to one he gave five and to another he gave ten and so he tells them this and he gives it in a way that they understand because when he tells you that it would be a sin for the word of God to come into your life and you not do it not it was sin so we have to inspire people with stories and I don't have any stories And I don't have a musician playing solemn music right now to get your heartstrings flowing in a direction that you're thinking about what you want God to do, what you need God to do, and you're so broken over the situation and tears are flowing down your face. I'm not messing with your emotions one bit. I'm not playing games with your heart. And I don't have them up there strumming the keys up to talking about it. I'm chasing after you. And that's a fantabulous song that we're going to sing. It's a powerful song. But I'm not trying to hype you up to get you. Oh, yeah, this is it. Because you need to learn how to dig a well. You can't sing your way out of hell. And you can't sing your way into heaven. That's not the way that it goes. You need to learn how to dig a well. 
because the Philistines are going to come knocking on your door and they're going to try to start taking what belongs to you. But when it's your wealth, no, 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 no. I came to the Lord and I needed it. And I got down on my knees and I sought Him with fear and trembling. I figured out my own salvation with fear and in trembling. I put my heart out there with tears in my eyes and brokenness in my spirit. I came to Him because they had dug a well before and the enemy came in and he took it. But when it was my well, See, a lot of us, we lose out with God because we don't ever learn how to stand on our own two feet. We're too dependent on everybody else to get us through. We're too dependent on everybody else's worship to get us to the next season. We're too dependent on everybody else's prayer to, to comfort us. And I need a, I got, I got a burden. I need you to pray for me. Well, why don't you get on your own knees? And why don't you begin to seek God? And why don't you begin to tap into His Word? Why don't you begin to listen to His voice and dig a well yourself? Oh, that almost sounded angry. I'm not angry. See, I, I appreciate faith in a service. Doesn't every preacher? Pastor, why don't you appreciate when faith is moving in a service and people just begin to respond? And they're not responding in to, to the elevated hype of the service. They're responding because their faith says yes. Their faith says now. See, faith is not past tense or future tense. Faith is a present tense word. Faith is right now. He says now faith is the substance of things hope for. You see, right now God is a prayer answering God. But God will answer prayers when you start digging a well. See, you've gotten this far on pastor's coattails. and You've gotten this far because you know what your dad believes. You know what your mama believes. And you're here because of the prayers that have lived on from a generation before. But at some point, you've got to put a shovel in your hand. And you've got to start digging a well. And you've got to get on your knees and you say, God, what do I got to do to be the man that I'm supposed to be? God, what do I got to let go of so I can be holy and righteous? Uh, every mother's got to get down on their knees. God, there's some things that I got to let go of in my own mind and my life so that I can be more powerful in you. They tell me that I can be what I am not right now. And I need to learn how that I can be what I must be and what I need to be. And I'm looking to your word and I'm needing your spirit. I'm not looking to just sing a song to get by. And I'm not looking for just a good message. I got a shovel in my hand right now, God. And I'm digging and I'm chasing after you you and I'm coming after you with all that I've got huh? because they said that I could have it huh? because the world said it wasn't so huh? I've got to believe that there's something for me in this huh? that you can save my soul that you can save my children that you can save my marriage huh? that you can open the floodgates of heaven and you can bless me huh? I know that I'm not seeing right now huh? the things that have been promised in my life huh? but there is getting ready to be a well springing up because you are living with an undercurrent right under your feet. The untapped potential of God. Waiting for somebody to start digging underneath the surface. Stand with me.
the most powerful thing that you can do is pray. You want to know why prayer is more important than praise? Because praise is a commandment. All heaven and earth gives praise to God because we are His creation. It is instilled into us. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. If the heavens declare His righteousness and the earth begins to give glory to God in its seasons, then we as God's offspring and as God's creation, it is our duty to give God praise. In the good times. And in the bad times, in the valley and in the mountaintop, it is always good. The Bible says it is a good thing to give God praise because it is a commandment from heaven. But heaven's request is if any man pray. Jesus never one time invited his disciples to praise. He never one time asked his disciples to sing a song. He never told them to get the musicians together. But he said, if any manner of you pray in this way. He said, this power doesn't go out, but by much prayer and fasting. That's why the little spirits wouldn't leave. He said, if you get together with two or three are together, together, touching anything, asking in my name in prayer, it will be given. Because heaven's request is my house shall be called the house of prayer. You praise Him because you are God's offspring. You praise Him because you are God's creation. But you pray to see the will of God and the work of God manifested in your life. You want to also know why prayer is more powerful than praise? You can't ask God for anything while you're singing a song. He inhabits the praises of His people. But there are no requests while you're singing Amazing Grace. There's no, God save me while you're singing, I'm chasing after you. It's when you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. When you get into the uttermost, that's when you begin to seek the face of the Lord. How do you seek the face of the Lord? In prayer. You want to know how to dig a well? Feel the Spirit of the Lord leading right now. While they strike up the band here, I love it. You know why I love it? Because we don't have people looking at each other looking to see what's the next song. All they have to do is hit one button right now, and every knee in this room can hit the floor and find a place to say, God, you've got a word for me. God, you've got a change for me. You've got a healing for my heart. You've got salvation for my soul, and I need it. And so while you begin to dig a well, that river will begin to flow. When you begin to tap into that undercurrent, And the Spirit of the Lord begins to lead you to a new place.
I'll tell you what, he starts to lead you into conviction and you begin to start feeling regret for things that you've said and done and you thought and you start telling God, I'm so sorry that I've let the burdens begin to pull me away from you. I'm so sorry that I let thoughts get in my head that wasn't supposed to be there. God make me new, created me a clean heart. And then you begin to cry, I need you, Lord, and I love you. And I can't make it without you. God, my family needs you right now. My children need you. God, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm not not doing the things that I need to be doing. I need a healing. I need a fresh start. I need a new season to break forth in my life. That's how you start digging a well. Why don't we just begin to find a place right now and why don't we get to open our hearts It's just a simple altar call. It's time to seek the Lord. You need the Holy Ghost? Why don't you just ask God to fill you? You got a past chasing you down and making you feel guilty every day? Why don't you ask God for forgiveness? Dig a well and move forward. a hundredfold, you got to start pulling back the soil of the ground so you can start planting seeds. It's time to get your hands dirty.